Welcome to A Bun Dance. You guessed it, a podcast dedicated to all things surrounding dance. I am Kristen. And I am Hannah, and we are two best friends who are brought together by this art form. Please join us in five, six, seven, eight. Here's a word from our sponsor. Hello, today we have a very special guest with us, Betsy Moran. Betsy directs both DanceWorks New York City and Boston affiliates and has been doing so for many years now. I had the opportunity to meet Betsy when I auditioned for DanceWorks New York City this season. I'm so happy to be involved in this amazing community. Today, I am interested to hear more about your personal journey, Betsy, and the history of DanceWorks. Thanks so much for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to be here. I'm so excited. Thanks for having me, Hannah and Kristen. Good to see you guys. Yeah, of course. So nice to meet you, Betsy. And just in our first uh, few minutes chatting before we hopped on today, I love your energy. It's very infectious. And so I'm excited to dive into this all. So um, to get started, you grew up in New Jersey and danced at various places. Can you just explain how, how'd you get started in dance? It's kind of that, uh, that spark that got it all going. (laughs) Absolutely. I have a story that I think a lot of young dancers might share is that as a child, I went to see the Nutcracker and after the Nutcracker danced around my living room, had my mom buy me a Nutcracker doll of my own. And she said, I think maybe we should put Betsy into dance classes. Um, so I started out dancing when I was really young in childhood. And when I was in New Jersey, I started at more of like a, more of a mom and pop dance studio. And we bounced around to a couple of different dance studios until we found a studio that I really resonated with the teachers and that we felt had a pretty good program for me to start to develop a little bit more when I was younger. Awesome. I love how the Nutcracker was the catalyst. I think um, it's inspiring to ballet dancers who are in those tough Nutcracker seasons where it feels like it's never ending to know that there might be some little one out in the audience who they're going to be inspiring for the start of their (laughs) dance career and their dance life. So that's awesome to hear. It really is. It's special when, um, when your parents expose you to those types of things, not realizing what an impact it might wind up having on your life. And that's one of the things that I will always be grateful to my parents for, to be exposing me to the arts at that age and recognizing that this is something that their daughter really loved and appreciated. That's something special, definitely, for how I grew up and within my family. Yeah, absolutely, Betsy. That's so wonderful to hear. However, I am so curious. So you went to Boston University to get your degree in finance. What was it like for you to be a finance major while also balancing being the captain of Boston University's dance team? How did that all play play in there? It was an it was an interesting journey. So I'm actually going to answer that by backing up just a little bit. Throughout childhood, I did various kinds of like smaller productions. And then in high school, I started to take it a little bit more serious and realize that this is something that I'm really passionate about that I really wanna go after. So in applying to colleges, I applied to a handful of um, performance arts 
schools, as well as a handful of colleges where I would be focusing on business. And I was always a pretty good student and balanced my grades along with my passion for dance all throughout growing up. And it was, I was at a crossroads when I came to applying for colleges with what I wanted to do. And it was almost at an age where it was too young to really decide, like, what do I really want to do for the for the rest of my life, right? When we're that young, there's such a different perspective and tunnel vision as to this massive decision that's going to shape the rest of our lives. And I loved the experience of auditioning for various performance arts colleges. Um, but the ones that I was auditioning for seemed to only have um, English as the main course in your freshman year. And then all of my other courses would be specifically dance related. For whatever reason, those were the places that I was auditioning. Um, when it came down to, when I looked at my options and which colleges I had made it into and had accepted me and what I was going to do, it was a really hard decision, but ultimately, I had this idea that if I were going to make it as a dancer, that I would continue to do that at the same level and passion all throughout college and post-grad, and that that would work out even if I wound up majoring in business. One of the downfalls to, well, it's not, not technically a downfall, but at Boston University, I wasn't able to double major. So I wasn't able to bring a major of, of dance in with my business degree. Um, however, I was able to take those classes for no credit if they worked in my schedule. So okay. it was an interesting, it was an interesting choice, but I knew that um, Boston had a, was a great city. And as a young person, I was so attracted to Boston in general as like being a city where I would love to live at least for a certain period of my life. So that was the childhood thing that really impacted that decision, um, along with having um, really supportive parents, but really realistic parents as well. They said, Betsy, you're talented, but are you that, are, is it, is this something that you know that you're going to do for the rest of your life or not? And in my gut, I think I said yes. But also in my gut, I knew that I needed and wanted some other things also, which were both conflicting. So at Boston University, the first thing I did, um, they have an orientation week and they introduce you to all of the different clubs and organizations that you can join. And I immediately made sure that I joined the Boston University dance team and tried out for them. And I also went around the city that weekend looking for all of the places where I'm going to do my dropping classes and going to do my, you know, um, weekend classes at Boston Ballet. And at the time it was Jeanette Neal Dance Studio. Um, so it was, I would say, fun balancing the two things. And it was something that I was used to doing from high school. So um, I know your guys' background with dance as well. I think dancers are some of the most disciplined and passionate 
workers. I think dancers make incredible workers out in the workforce. Um, we're able to balance so much generally, but also we have that mindset of when it's our passion, when there's something that we're doing and it's our passion, it makes it so much easier. Yeah, it sounds like you had the best of both worlds. And I really applaud you for making sure that you made the time for your dancing, even though you did focus on your other passion, which was business and finance. Um, but like, look at you now, you've got dance so much in your life. Um, and it seems like both both avenues led you to where you are today. And that will actually lead us into our next question. So Kristen, you want to ask the next one? Yeah. So um, you went on to become the vice president of an international uh, finance services company. Can you speak on this a little bit for us? Sure, man. <laughs> it's funny in the um, post-grad, I, I graduated Boston University in 2004 and um, came out into the workforce, knew that I wanted to move to New York City. And um, part of that reason was because while I was hoping to work in finance, I also was hoping to take my PTO and be auditioning. <laughs> so the I moved to New York. Um, and there were definitely a few steps before becoming vice president, for sure. That took me, um, you know, at first I came out and I was working on a trading floor. Um, and then I was within capital markets for a little while. Then I interviewed at a couple of other different positions and different jobs. I've been through, um, during that time, a lot of mergers and acquisitions of companies that I used to work at. And... Um, when I was in my 20s in the city, I definitely was using my PTO to go audition or to take those summer intensives. And I'd come back to the office all cheery and they'd say, wow, like you had a staycation, you know, I said, yeah, it's even the city. And, you know, um, at the time, I don't think many of my managers would have um, appreciated perhaps just how involved in dance I was. A lot of them knew that I danced, but um, not exactly to the degree that I had. And um, as I worked my way up in my finance career, I wound up managing a team at a bank um, that works specifically within commodities. And I wound up having a small team of about four people. And um, that was a really great time in my finance career. And at the same time, I would say it was a good time in my finance career, especially because once I made it into that manager role, I received a lot of leadership training and I received a lot of support and a different, a different perspective on uh, my role within finance. And all of the skills that I learned from that and really all throughout the years, so many of them overlap with dance and overlap with what I do today, more in a managerial position and within the ownership of DanceWorks. So um, I'm really, really grateful to all of the years that I spent within that finance um, career. 
but there was always a voice. Um, and I would say it was softer at certain points in time and much louder at other points in time where I had a real deep feeling or instinct within my gut that there was a purpose for me that was a little bit different or deeper than what I was currently doing. Um, so I, I had actually negotiated being part-time in my finance role around 2015. And um, I had consulted one of my really good friends who I did some traveling with, who happened to be a lawyer. And I said, I'm thinking about negotiating going part-time so that I can do some things that are really more for myself and um, see if me continuing this role within my finance group is the right path for me or not. And I need to just take some, I need to step away from it, I think. And he gave me the best advice ever, which was ask for three days a week and you don't need to tell them why. And I was really nervous to go into that conversation with my bosses. Um, and we started off temporarily and we said, let's try it for six months. And if it doesn't work, you know, I'll go, I'll come back to being full-time, but within that first six months, it worked out really well. And my team was doing great and it felt like the right move in general on so many levels. And I was much, much happier. And it wasn't until after that, that, um, I wound up becoming more involved with DanceWorks from a manager perspective. So I think what makes DanceWorks so great in general is that all this time while I was in my finance career, it's really geared towards working professionals that want to continue to dance post-grad um, who aren't necessarily pursuing it full-time as a career, but that are so super talented and their bodies aren't ready to stop and their minds aren't ready to stop. and I think that's something that really lent itself to me. So I joined the DanceWorks organization in 2013 and um, have continued to be a part of it in some shape or form since that point in time. Um, but it, it really was such a great outlet for me while I was on my finance journey. And then when I took a step back and started to create some more time and space, it wasn't until after that that the opportunity came along for me to get more involved from an ownership and manager perspective. Um, I just love hearing about this all. I feel like there's been this constant through line in our discussion so far that you just like kept listening to your intuition, and your gut throughout your life, whether that be about your decision for college or post-grad. It, it just seems like a really cool timeline where, you know, what we want can always ebb and flow and change over time, but you kind of just kept like listening to yourself and honoring what, what you wanted to do and, and, and followed that. So I, I just really applaud you for that. Thank you. So many of us can resonate with this pressure to have it all figured out or have an idea in mind or an end point in mind that we want to get to but that we just don't know how to get there. Or sometimes we can have those setbacks that feel like, um, like they may be devastating or that they're taking us off our path. But I've always been, um, I've always been really open-minded to listening to the people around me and also take making sure that I hear when there's 
the right opportunities. And when something resonates with me or when somebody like is vibrating at that same level, it really can work out in the right ways. And even the things that have taken me off my, like somebody might look at the big picture and think like, oh, that really took Betsy off of her path. But there's always a learning lesson or a silver lining in it that might be applicable to your next role or your next journey. Um, when I first joined DanceWorks, I would have never believed you if you told me that within five years, I would own and be directing the company. I would have been like, no. <laughs> yeah. I believe you. I'm currently in my finance job. I'm, you know, so I think it's important to listen to that for sure. Yeah, Betsy, I love hearing about that. And I think it really falls under the, it always happens for a reason or everything happens for a reason, right? Like, it seems like as Kristen was saying, you really just followed your gut, your intuition, and you're really happy. I mean, you're just such a vibrant, inspiring person. And I really appreciate everything that you just shared with us. So thank you. Absolutely. I feel like we're here to connect with each other and especially amongst dancers, dance friends and speaking with other dancers, I feel like we were able to get on a deeper level just so much faster than other types of people, which is also why in my finance job, I would always hire dancers. <laughs> I love that. That's so funny yeah. and amazing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Betsy, talk a little bit more about dance work. So did you hear about dance works in Boston when you were there for college or like post-grad, like when you started as a professional in finance, how did that all come about? How did you hear about it? Yeah, I wish dance works existed when I graduated college. So I graduated college in 2004 and dance works uh, was founded in 2010 by our founder, Lisa Mara. She now goes by the name Lisa Bree and she was um she had graduated college moved to new york she was working in pr she said you know i'm working really hard hours but i'm going to continue to dance and do the drop-in classes and her job was really demanding it's a common story with so many of us and so she decided i want to bring i want to do more dance so i'm maybe i'm going to audition for certain dance teams or professional teams and make sure that dance stays a part of my life. I want to continue to perform. And those auditions are really, um, the competition is steep. The auditions are tough. There might be 200 to 400 dancers who show up for an open call when there's only three to four spots on the team. And she looked around and said, there's so much talent in this city. I really miss what I had in college, which is like a community of dancers where we were able to choreograph and dance and it was student led. And when I go to these drop-in classes, I don't feel that same sense of community. And she wound up leaving New York City and going back to Boston, which is around where she's from. And she was talking with her dance friends from college and said, let's, let's do it. I'm, I'll figure out all the details, let's put on a show. And that's how DanceWorks was founded. Lisa's story and my story um, is fairly similar. Um, 
but I wish it existed when I graduated. The way I heard about DanceWorks was from a college dance team friend um, who told me to go to Lisa's $1 workshop in New York. And I arrived at workshops and danced and had a great time. And I spoke with Lisa afterwards and she said, wow, like you're a new face for me. You're a really great dancer. Come and audition for us this weekend. Um, the commitments, what you want to make it. So if you want to be in four dances and dance four nights a week, you're welcome to, if you want to be in one dance and dance one night a week, um, it's only one hour per rehearsal works really well with your schedules. This is where we, we rehearse. Um, and she really pitched me on it. And I was like, why don't I do this? Um, so I have my friend, Lauren Schneider, who now goes by Lauren Frazier to thank for introducing me to DanceWorks back in 2013. Wow, shout out to Lauren. How amazing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Lauren still, she was a DanceWorks Boston dancer and she still comes to the shows up there as well. And every once in a while she gets a shout out in my opening comments also. Aw. Yeah. And then to segue from there, can you just speak on what led you to become the director of DanceWorks New York City in 2016 and then owner of DanceWorks LLC in 2019? So how you had this transition from just dancer and not just dancer, but yeah. <laughs> dancer within DanceWorks to then having these huge titles. Absolutely. Um, so I came and auditioned for DanceWorks in season three. I was cast in two dances that season. I remember thinking I can only dance one night a week because my job is really demanding right now. Um, and so I was a dancer for season three as well as for season four. And then by the time two seasons went by, uh, my friends and family who were coming to the shows were saying, Betsy, why don't you audition to choreograph? You should audition to choreograph. We would love to see your choreography on stage. And I had been excited to do it, but I wanted to wait for the right time because I wanted to make sure that I had my schedule set up um, correctly to be able to devote the right amount of time to leading the group. And so in season five and six, I auditioned to choreograph and received the exciting news that I was offered the option to choreograph. And those were really fun seasons. And those are seasons also where I look back on and notice shifts and changes in my leadership and learning more about who I am when I show up in the room and also as a dancer, when I show up in other rehearsals, how do I want to, how do I want to show up for that choreographer? It gives, it gave such a great perspective shift. And um, so that brought me from season three to season six, and then I had to take a break. So I was in that stage of life where all of my friends were getting married. I had a lot of conflicts with the show dates, and I also was moving up in my career pretty quickly. So there were a lot of things conflicting at the same time, which made my schedule challenging to challenging to keep up with everything that I wanted to. 
So um, at DanceWorks, we do have a commitment. So an end and absent policy, and I'm definitely a rule follower. So um, when I looked at that season of my life, I was like, I need to take a break right now. Um, but I continued to go to as many of the shows as I could during that. It was a three season break, but at the same time, it was only from 2015. And then I actually came back as the director um in 2016 wow. so but a strong comeback yeah <laughs> it was <laughs> it was an exciting comeback for sure the um during that time uh lisa had hired a manager um and i believe that they had worked for danceworks for at least one or two seasons and then the next several seasons they had an assistant director who came in and helped out and that assistant director was moving to Florida. And so the option came up again where Lisa was looking to hire somebody. And because of her experience with the other two roles, she also had a little bit more clarity as to what she wanted this person to do. So um, the opportunity came up and if you read the entire job description and what she was looking for, there was a small mention in there that she might be looking for somebody who has interest in ownership in, for the future. And it was a small little mention in a many paragraph description. Um, and that definitely sparked my interest, but I, I didn't think that, um, I didn't think that she would be ready to step down or away from dance works for at least five to 10 more years. So in my mind, I was like, ah, that's like, that's nice. And it's something that we talked about during the interview process, um, but more as something that would happen later on in the future. And at that point in my career also, I had already been part-time for a year. So the need to find somebody who could work on DanceWorks part-time and be available with that flexible schedule and have enough PTO to make sure that on the weeks that were really work intensive, that that person was going to be able to be there and support her the way that she needed. Um, my work schedule worked out really well. Um, I remember she posted the job um, on social media and I received the email blast saying we're hiring. And I was at the airport on my way to Miami for a bachelorette party. And the due date for interest was Monday. And I remember telling my girlfriends, I know we're here for the bachelorette party, but I need two to three hours to sit down and reply and let Lisa know that I have interest in this because in my gut, I feel like I'm, this is the right, in my life. Um, I remember when they were hiring the previous person right before me, I had wanted to reach out to let her know about my interest, but I, it just wasn't the right time. I was still full-time in my finance job. I was still juggling so much. It just wouldn't have been the right match. So um, <laughs> that morning I wound up going down to the pool, like waking up early before all the girls went down to the pool in a shaded area and answered like all of the application questions that she had put together. 
and um, the the rest is kind of history from there. So um, I wound up getting the job and within, man, from 2016 to 2019, um, she, Lisa had let me know, like, you're doing a great job and there's things in my life that are accelerating this. And when she let me know that, it was honestly a surprise to me um, cause I, I went in truly with the expectation that this would be at least five to 10 years before we would have that conversation again, but we started having it and it came at a really good time. So I, I am still pinching myself <laughs> to be totally yeah. honest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. It, it goes to show that again, your intuition was correct and you're just you're happy and passionate about what you do, which I mean, it sh should be that way. I feel bad for right people that don't feel that way about their work. So yeah, it's a good thing. <laughs> so talk a little bit, Betsy, about the core values of DanceWorks. We, in rehearsals, um, I remember it was one of the very first things you came in, we talked about the piece, we got to know everyone's name, and then you talked about these core values. How does that influence every dancer and choreographer throughout the season of DanceWorks? Has so many different dancers from so many different practices and backgrounds that choose to come and audition for us. And when we get dancers with all that various types of experience into the room together, it's really nice to set the tone. And the way that I do that is through our core values. So core value number one is to know everybody's name. And I don't know if you guys have noticed this when even just when you said like, hey, Betsy, welcome. Like, I will say like, thank you, Hannah and Kristen. Like, thank you guys. Addressing somebody by their first name is so important in just the basic respect of changing this from a drop-in class to um, building, starting to build a community. And that just sets the groundwork and the foundation in rehearsals. Um, when you're standing next to somebody and it's week 16 and you look over and you think, oh no, what's their name? That can feel so awkward as a dancer. And so the way that we ingrain this is by, um, it's a little bit cheesy, but it's really fun. You embrace it after the first couple of weeks. We'll do these name games prior to rehearsal and ways to start to connect with each other on a little bit of a deeper level. So, um, it, starts to make it a little bit easier for dancers to start to remember each other's names and give each other that like baseline of respect. Core value number two is to come prepared. Um, that is important just to make sure that logistics are working well. We've all been in a studio before where if the instructor doesn't come prepared or is winging it or a dancer next to you hasn't reviewed the choreography, it can wind up feeling like um, a struggle and it takes down the energy in the room. So we kind of encourage everybody to show up and, and even if they were having a bad day or if they were running late to work or whatever it might be that when they come to dance, they're, they're there because they're passionate about it and that they're prepared. Um, core value number three is to break a sweat. Also one of my favorites, I always say like, go full out. Um, we have one hour in rehearsal. If 
the choreographers working with somebody else or a different group be reviewing your choreography so that you still make the most out of that hour and get those endorphins going. So even I think something that resonates with me a lot with this also is that when you're in those rehearsals where everybody is going full out with feeling, if it can elevate your mood so quickly. And even if your body hurts or if something bad happened in your day, like jamming out full, full on can completely change that for, it can completely change your attitude. Something else I like about that too is um, when we're on stage, once we're hitting that performance, our adrenaline kicks in and all of a sudden, like we're hitting things harder and stronger than we've ever hit before. If in the studio, we're breaking a sweat and trying to hit those things as hard and as strong in the studio, imagine how much more elevated your performance will be once that adrenaline kicks in too. So that one's core value number three. It's, it's sweaty. We bring a towel, it gets hot in our studios. Um, core value number four is to not take yourself too seriously. Also one of my favorite ones. Um, I did grow up in a fairly strict dance environment, um, fairly competitive as well. And I found that when I let go of that perfection um, on myself and also on others, my own dance abilities increased. It was like, I don't know if you've ever received the feedback from um, after an audition or for somebody from somebody who is like, oh, you're just missing that star quality. And you're like, well, what, what does that mean exactly? Like, I give me some more specific things. Um, for me, it was letting go of like taking it so seriously and making sure that I could laugh in rehearsal. And if I wasn't getting something right away, being really gentle with myself and instead of being, instead of beating myself up, be like, you know what, it's dance and I'm having fun right now. And I'm here with my friends and I still have time to figure this out. So core value four, don't take yourself too seriously. Humor is a big part of what we bring into the studio as well. Core value five, it's a beefy one, but an important one. It's to be respectful, flexible, helpful, and professional. And this one taps into how we interact with one another as well. And there's, this is definitely a core value that I bring into my life. Sometimes if I'm struggling or having a day where there's elements of conflict, I'll just ask myself this question, like, how can I approach this with respect? Is this an opportunity for me to be flexible? Can I be helpful right now? Um, and how can I approach this in the most professional way? It's like those questions that you can ask yourself when you're at your boiling point and you take a deep breath and you're like, okay, how can I approach this? I, it's an important life one, but also a dance works core value. Core value number six, build a family like community. Um, and last but not least, core value number seven is to maximize your performance potential. Um, and you guys can't see me right now, but each of these core values has a little motion. Um, it's the way that I help to memorize all of them and 
it started last season as a joke in one of our rehearsals. And now it has been, the dance has been taught, the core values dance has been taught in every rehearsal for the last two seasons in both New York and Boston. So the dancers are really embracing it. And it's a fun way to not just set the groundwork in rehearsal, but it gives us some vocabulary to talk with each other. If when someone isn't showing up in the way that we hope, or if somebody's struggling with something and it's a way to communicate with one another. So a choreographer might, hopefully a choreographer never has to say like, let me see that full out now, because hopefully everybody's already going full out, but it gives the choreographer the opportunity to be like, hey guys, remember core value number three, break a sweat. You guys, I wanna see you guys sweating more, like let's go for it. Um, it it allows us this way to really make sure that we're on the same page, that we're having fun, but also that our studio space all has the same kind of culture, even though we're all coming from various dance backgrounds. I was just going to say, I love the core values so much. I mean, this is my first season of dance works. And when you just hit the ground running with all these things, I was like, yeah, that makes so much sense. And I love that we have so many different people here in this room, but we can all really relate and like stand by these core values. And I, I think, you know, now we're midway through the semester and all of those values hold true. And I think it is something that we can all live by even outside of the dance studio. So I really love the core values. I love the dance that you have going with it. It's really great. Um, <laughs> thank you for that. I was looking around me and some people who have done dance works before were like doing it all. I was like, oh my gosh, what is this? But this is cool. Um, but yeah, so hopefully, you know, in the seasons to come, I'll get the dance down a little bit better myself, but it is- You absolutely will. It, <laughs> you'll get the dance down in no time. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so I've just loved continuing to learn about dance works. It seems like such a positive and wonderful environment to be a part of. And so to just kind of wrap things up today, can you just share with us maybe any future plans or visions for dance works? Absolutely. Or kind of plan to, to just keep rolling for now with what you've got going? Just talk a little bit about that. I absolutely love this organization. I think the plan, which I I reassess this plan every six months. I'm a very goal-oriented person who, you know, I'll envision things, I'll put down and put out into the universe the things that I want. And something that I think um, is so important is to make sure that as we grow, at, we keep the core values at the core of who we are. And hopefully within the next seasons and years, we're able to fully recover from the pandemic, rehire and take it from there. People are what make this organization so much fun. And truly, I feel like the sky's the limit for this organization. So I'm excited to... Um, lead it into that next journey. Awesome. Thank you so much, Betsy. Thank you guys. I love that response. And I am just so appreciative of our time today. We can't thank you enough for being here. Hannah, Kristen, it was a pleasure. And I am just so grateful that you asked me to come on. So thank you for letting me talk.
tell the dance work story and a little bit about my background. Absolutely. Of course. Thanks so much, Betsy. Thanks for tuning in to Abundance. We appreciate your support. We hope to have PK in your interest. Feel free to contact us at AbundancePodcast5678 at gmail.com and give us feedback on what you'd like to hear. That is Abundance without parentheses. Go dance yourself silly. Bye for now. A special thank you to Richard D. Fiore for our lovely podcast tune and Matt Mellish for our cover art.